Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share lessons and experiences in sports performance and professional development. In this episode, I'm joined by Thomas Greffley, a fellow baseball player just like myself, and actually that is how we met. We try out a new format of TSP interviews where it's simply just me asking what's the story most fundamental to where you are today, the coolest story you got, and the story that you are most proud of. So if you like this format, please let me know, and I will for sure keep it up. But one thing I like is how we kind of bring the stories full circle and how we kind of tie them together as well. Um, and as cliche as it kind of might be, there's some common themes of you know, networking and, and who you know, but also you have to be able to walk the walk. And my favorite one that came up was this idea of kind of your goals evolve as you do and you need goals to kind of steer you. But with, you know, with every new chapter, every new version of yourself, there's going to be kind of new goals and you have to reevaluate and, and continue progressing kind of like that. And we finish up talking about this new phrase called e-professionalism, kind of utilizing social media to the best of your ability as a tool in your toolbox. And we ended up with some we end it with some actionable things. So let's get it going. Let's get better together. Another episode of TSP with Thomas Greffley. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Always, always a good day when I can record a podcast. So a little bit of background about how Thomas and I know each other. And if I forget any parts, feel free to hop in. But I think it was Knights, what, sophomore, junior high school, something like that? Yeah, I think it – actually, I think it was all the way – I think it was freshman. It was freshman and sophomore years, like when we really first met. Or no, did we beat on the, the fall baseball team, like before that? The White Sox? Yeah, we met on that, I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was just so long ago, but yeah, we've so, always stayed in touch. <laughs> yeah, so so long ago. Played baseball together in, like, the summer club setting. And then uh, I've just been – trying to keep up to date with with all of your stuff on on social media you playing college ball but also doing your athletic training thing um which i know is super difficult so i'm looking forward to hopefully hearing a little bit about that but actually i was home for what was it new year's and i saw you in buffalo wild wings that was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> so so i got to just catch up a little bit and then actually be on my podcast and here we are now so for those we're not familiar. Would you mind explaining a little bit about your background? Yeah, so uh, I'm currently a certified and licensed athletic trainer in Indiana. I am working towards my doctorate in athletic training from Indiana State University. Uh, I grew up in Grays Lake, Illinois, small suburb, about an hour north of Chicago, about probably 30 minutes from you, Matt. Um, and I've growing up, I played baseball, and that's how Matt and I knew each other. And so then kind of growing up, I guess, going into athletic training is I knew going into high school towards that my senior year that, hey, I'm probably not going to get drafted. So I knew that I wanted to stick around sports. And I don't know how athletic training came about, but I just knew that I liked helping out people. And so this was kind of my connection of both staying around sports and getting to help other people. Yeah, the the moment where it sinks in that you're probably not going to go big time to one, probably not going to get drafted. It's definitely a a sad day, but um, that's kind of the the general theme with with most of my guests that I've had on, where it's like sports background. It's it's done a lot for us, and then it's like 
you you get exposed to one aspect kind of 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 the performance field whatever it may be like it started with me when i uh sprained my ucl my elbow my freshman year of high school then i went to pt and i was like oh that's pretty cool and then um i got on like sports medicine club which is like athletic training club and then Mm -hmm. my internship in college was strength and conditioning you know and then now in, in grad school i found sports science so it's cool that that it's still all related and how kind of like everything has brought you to kind of where you are now. So, um, but one question that, that I have is, so I know some athletic trainers with PhDs, um, but I know that PhDs are predominantly if people want to teach or do something a little bit more clinical. So kind of what, what drew you to wanting to pursue your PhD? So, my doctorate is actually not a PhD. It's a, it's a clinical doctorate. So it's a doctorate of athletic training. So I guess a simple comparison for other people is how physical therapists are doctors of physical therapy. It's uh, slimmer in that aspect. So it's a clinical, so it's not, it's not a teaching doctorate. It's a clinical doctorate. So I'm still going to be a practicing clinical athletic trainer. So my end goal is to go into physician's practice. So I want to work with an orthopedic surgeon and kind of do like the rehabilitation of injuries and kind of help that in office kind of procedures. But yeah, so the, the doctorate in athletic training is kind of a newer degree. Uh, I think I will be the fourth or fifth graduating cohort out of the doctorate of athletic training at Indiana state. And I think fourth. And so they're big into being advanced practice leaders. So advancing their clinical skills. So like I've learned different manual therapy techniques. Uh, I've learned how to IV and suture, and they've kind of given us kind of uh, insight into those to kind of go and advance our clinical skills. But it's very, very much about being a clinical athletic trainer and being out there practicing and providing patient care versus a PhD, which is more of teaching and that aspect okay so so are you gonna have dat after your name is that technically what it'll be yeah not phd gotcha 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 (laughs) um so does that set you up kind of for more like because you said working with orthopedic surgeons is that more like hopefully hospital type stuff or just set you apart to try to get into pro sports or kind of what's your your five to ten year game plan so when I started off, I wanted to do professional sports. Like that was like my dead set goal. Like Chicago Cubs head athletic trainer. Like that was my dream job. And I think that's something that within athletic training is kind of preached in undergrad is that there's just like the traditional setting. And I think that one thing that I've learned after coming to Indiana state and being in this accredited program is that there's so many more opportunities for athletic trainers out there. There's industrial athletic trainers, there's ergonomic athletic trainers, there's uh, physicians practice, like there's military. There's so many different settings that you can go into that are outside of the traditional sports setting. And I think that because athletic training was rooted in sports and we came from sports, that's something that is kind of always going to be there but there's so many more opportunities out there for athletic trainers. And that was something that I didn't understand really in undergrad until coming to Indiana state. And they were like, yeah, like you can do all this stuff. And I was just like, Holy cow. Like there's a lot more out there than I can do. That's outside of sports. 
Sweet. Yeah, I, I feel like that's always the goal for the young performance professional, just to throw kind of everyone under an umbrella where it's like pro sports or like big time college sports where it's like there's so much more. So it, it's cool that, that you were able to, to find that. So um, let's get into it. My uh, my guinea pig, new new format of TSP interviews. Uh, what is the most fundamental story you have um, leading you up to kind of where you are now? So I think my the story that's fundamental to be where I'm at now is getting to this Indiana State Doctor of Athletic Training program. If you would have told me like five years ago, so if you would have told me sophomore year of college, Thomas, you would have been like, hey, in five years from now, you're going to be on your way to graduating with a doctorate in athletic training. And you're going to be looking for a job in like this setting and all this stuff. I would have laughed. I would have been like, first off, I would have not known what the doctorate in athletic training was. I would have thought I was teaching somewhere. And then I would have been like, okay, like, how am I going to get from where I'm at now to wanting to do professional sports to this level? And so I actually, I think it was my, between my junior and senior year, I did an apprenticeship with the Kane County Cougars. And so how I got that apprenticeship was the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainers Association or Society had uh, internships. And so you could apply for like any minor league club um, within the minor league baseball or professional baseball. So I did like all the ones by me. I kind of figured out where I could have went. And so I applied and then I got a call back from the Kane County guy and we ended up talking stuff and he actually graduated from a school that was in my undergrads conference, which was the Iowa intercollegiate athletic conference at the time. And so he's like, Oh, like I went to central college. I was like, Oh, I know central college. Like I knew like a few kids that went there. And so then we kind of like talked about that. And so then had like a second interview with him, ended up getting the apprenticeship, worked with him for a month or two at Kane County and kind of got to like shadow him and kind of see how he practiced. And so then he actually did his master's at Indiana state. And so then I was like starting to look for grad schools my senior year when I went back and I was like, Oh, like Indiana state. I was like, I knew that they didn't have this post-professional masters, but they had this doctorate in athletic training. And so I was like, ah, like it's a doctorate in athletic training. I'm coming straight from a small undergrad, like, this is going to be a reach, but I'll throw my name out there and see what happens. And so I like actually didn't know all the requirements that I needed to get into the program, not like class wise, but like paperwork wise. And so my program director was one of, one of my like uh, references. And so he had to like clear off all my stuff and like make sure it looked okay. And, and like he approved it. And he's like, Thomas, do you know like what this one thing is like a statement of goals? And I was just like, uh, not really. And he's like, okay, I'll send you mine and then create your own and then go from there. And so I ended up submitting all the stuff, got an interview and I'm like, okay, like they went from like a far reach of like an opportunity to like my number one school. And so I ended up doing the interview. They reference checked me. And so one of the Kane County AT's classmates or I guess not classmates, but like somebody who was there when he was there was doing his PhD at Indiana state. And so like they talked and he was like, Hey, like Thomas is a very like smart guy, like 
very self-motivated. Like, I think he'd be a good fit for the program. And now here I am 12 weeks away from graduating from this program that was five years ago would have been a stretch. And so I think kind of from this whole fundamental story of like how I got here, it truly shows that who you know helps you out and like networking is so important. But it's also, it's not just like being a part of the good old boys club. I think it's more importantly that, yeah, like knowing other people gets you to a certain point, but you have to be able to back up and actually be as good as like what you say you are or what that person talks you up to be. Yeah, that that's awesome. It's, it's crazy how like, so you went to, uh, Loris, right? Yes. Yeah. So baseball player Loris, whenever you like committed to go there, like that was kind of the first step, I guess, because so people like people that are like us, it's just like kind of human nature. And, and he was like, Oh, you know, same conference and all this stuff, small town, Iowa. So I'm not saying that that would have been a make or break, but like that definitely gave you a more personal kind of edge as opposed to whoever he called up. So it's like even just the decision of like where you go to school could have such a big impact. And then, you know, he happened to go to Indiana State and then he knew someone that was there. But so I don't know. It's it's kind of cliche. But my little thing about cliches is that cliches are cliches because they're true, because they're overused and no one would overuse false statements. So it really is who you know. But I like how you summed it up with you have to be able to back it up. Because at the end of the day, in networking, when when people say it's who you know and people um, like kind of help you out, like they're putting their neck out for you, so you better be able to 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 kind of back it up, like you said, because there's a lot more there's a lot more on the line than just kind of you, you getting a gig or not. You know, think about one one thing that that really um, that really hit me when I was when I committed to TCU for my masters was oh, you know, there's one professor from Truman State there, and then uh, there was uh, a student that went before you. So now, like, if you're the second student that works out, we can start making this relationship between Truman State and TCU and and maybe start funneling more students there for grad school and stuff where it's like, it's not just, it's not just you kind of going and doing your thing at Indiana State. It's you backing up that King County Cougar guy's word, and it's you kind of backing up Loris College and that and the apprenticeship program you did for kind of everyone that's, that's going to come after you. So, um, yeah, I like how you said you, you have to back it up because there's a lot more on the line than than kind of what you think. Yeah, because I'm a big believer in that you can you can talk the talk all you want, but in our professions, you have to be able to back it up or else you're going to be done. Like if you can't get somebody better and I can't rehab somebody or like get them back to what they want like you're going to be gone. And so like as much as you can talk the talk, you have to be able to back that up. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite quotes is people over projects in regards to, in regards to jobs and stuff where people get so caught up in churning out a good project where it's like, it's about the relationships you make and things like that. But I kind of like to bring that back where it's like at the end of the day, if you're not doing your job, like you're not going to stay there Um, to where I totally agree about the whole networking and everything like that. But at the end of the day, like people want people to get the job done. And if you happen to be 
sociable, you know, you know, a lot of people and you can kind of bring all these other things on top of it to the job. That's just going to help kind of set you, um, set you up for more success. But, uh, you have to be good at what you do. Like definitely have to, to walk the walk. Um, but yeah, it's nuts kind of reflecting back how, how everything is led you now. Yeah. I like, so part of our, in our program, they're big on leadership. And so like right now I'm in a class that's called the DAT mastermind. And so it's all about personal and professional growth. And so it's a lot of reflecting and stuff. And the one reflection was like, oh, like think about your five and 10 year goals. And I was like thinking about like, what were my five and 10 year goals? Like when I was in college and I was just like, holy cow, like I've gotten here. Like, and like, I would have never expected to be where I'm at right now, but like I am. And like, just how your goals change so frequently and like you constantly have to be like reflecting on your goals and changing your goals because you're evolving as a person. And so your goals have to evolve with you. Yeah. Where I think it's super important to have goals, like how I describe it is, is so you can drive around in a, in a car, right? And the good thing about having goals is even when the car runs out of gas, you can get out and walk because you know where you're going. Kind of like whenever you don't have motivation or things are kind of stalling or, or whatever, but if you don't know where you're going, you don't know where to just steer the car. So, but I like how you also brought it back to you're evolving and your goals evolve as well, where it's like, you know, if, if you set a goal and you don't achieve it, it's not necessarily that you failed. It's just that your goals changed. So, um, have they told you anything about like how often you should reevaluate your goals or anything kind of like that? I'm trying to think if like there's like a specific time. I mean, I think at least on a yearly basis you should. I mean, I don't think it's like a weekly thing that you need yeah. to be doing. I mean, I think it's like a good check-in. At least on a yearly basis is a good thing to be reflecting and kind of the way that we are taught is that it's kind of a, you're constantly reflecting, but there's no like specific set times that you're supposed to be like, okay, like, Oh, two months, I should probably look at my goals. Like you just, it's kind of like a constant process and you have to kind of understand metacognitively as like your goals are changing and like, as your life is changing and like putting it all together. Yeah. So it's more just kind of in the back of your mind as you go and just understanding that, yeah, you're going to set goals and they might change, but kind of in the moment, um, that's kind of your direction that you have. Um, so yeah, setting goals, I think is super important. Cause like, even though it's, it's not the final goal and it might not be the best goal. Like it's just, it's just like we were talking about before we started recording about, uh, not having baseball and, and, uh, having a goal with workouts, you know, it's, it's not that, uh, well, Thomas is training for a mini marathon. Um, and where it's like, it's not that, you know, the mini marathon is the end all be all or that you're going to do that for the rest of your life. But it's just for this moment, it gives you direction like right now and then it'll take yes. you to the future. And then when you get to the future, then you can kind of reevaluate and go from there. So, um, so yeah, wish him luck on his mini, on his mini marathon. <laughs> um, but yeah, got to walk the walk, back it up. And then also your evolving goals. I really like how, how that story got, got brought full circle. So I'll give you some some autonomy in whatever story you want to bring up next versus the cool story you got and the story you're most proud of. 
we'll go with we'll go with cool story. So I think right now, so going back to undergrad Thomas, because I really like these past few years, like everybody has really noticed. I think my parents have even noticed kind of how much I've grown and matured as a person. And I think that's also just going from your undergrad degree to becoming like first years in the profession and getting like this advanced degree. And so part of my advanced degree is uh, I have to complete a, like a traditional research project. And so I read some article the other day or I saw like some joke on a website about like when you're in college, you're, you like search through research articles to find that one line that completes your research paper. And then now I'm completing research and like as I'm writing my like manuscript, I'm writing these lines and like I'm looking at some of the lines I'm writing. I'm like, this is the one line that some college kid is going to be looking at one day to finish his paper is this one line right here is what he's going to be looking at to finish the paper. I'm just like how life just comes full circle in there. I just thought it was hilarious. But with my research, I wanted to present it, obviously. And so for our program, they suggest, it's not like a requirement, they suggest that you um, apply to um, the national conference to have a, like, whatever presentation. And so my research actually recently got approved to uh, have a poster presentation at the National Athletic Training Conference this uh, June in Atlanta. And coming from, like, a small school, I would have never in a million years thought that, oh, I'm going to one, do something in athletic training that's going to get me to be at this national conference, let alone giving a presentation on my own research. And so I think that's kind of one of those things that like, as, like, as we evolved, our goals evolved. So like three years ago, I would have never had this as a goal. But then as soon as I was in this program, I was like, I want this to be a goal. Like I want to talk at the national conference and do all this stuff. And like, just how much my goals have changed, I think, or grown professionally as I've grown is really kind of interesting. And I think as we mature, our goals need to mature too. kind of going back on that topic. What's your, uh, is, is it wouldn't be a thesis. Would it be a dissertation? It's, I always mess this up. It's not, it's not a dissertation. It's more, it's just, it's just, it's just research based is more of what it okay. is. What are, what are you so going to present on if you can spill the beans? So my, the title of it is, is really, I'll, I'll say the formal title and then I'll explain it in layman's terms. So it's Indiana secondary school athletic directors, perceptions of athletic training services and influences on hiring athletic trainers. So pretty much I want to find out why Indiana high school athletic directors are providing athletic training services and then things that influence them on providing services. So like pretty much why they have an athletic, not have an athletic trainer and what are the reasons for each of those? Interesting. (laughs) Say that title three times fast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, honestly. But it's funny because like, so me doing my master's at TCU, when I first got here, um, I was like, man, screw research. This is so boring. Like, I just want to work with athletes, da, da, da. And I'm still working with athletes, 
just doing like applied sports science. So I guess it's applied research, but I'm like super into like just my thesis and writing a manuscript. And I totally like, as I'm working through my manuscript, I'm like, because how I, well, I don't know if this is, if this is good to say or not, but when you look through, through other manuscripts, you just look for like the unreferenced sentences that you can reference, you know, for that paper. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just like thinking about like, this is the one sentence that I've been looking for, you know, that hence why I'm doing my thesis. But um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, can you imagine someone referencing your, like you being someone else's references? That'd be super cool. Um, yeah. I like, it's just, how like life just comes full circle like that like that example i said about like we in college we looked for that one line and then now we're writing a paper for somebody to have that one line from our manuscript. yeah it's super cool and and that's where <laughs> times of reflection kind of like this are so important to to not I, I don't know if like it's intentionally humbling but also just motivating where it's like where it's come, going back to kind of what i said where it's so much bigger than than like just a presentation you know it's you you evolving and achieving your goals as well as you know helping out whoever's gonna come read your um read your your uh manuscript plus all of the athletic directors you're gonna work with so um yeah that is definitely a a pretty cool story but it's crazy yeah dude like i just call him like little young ambitious matt or like ignorant matt look in the mm -hmm. past where it's like oh I, I never would have done this or i never would have done that it's like look at me just being super into it right now so so yeah reflection is it's funny it's humbling and it's also motivating and i think that's the other thing though like going back to like my first story of like don't be afraid to take a risk like like yeah like it's scary and i think that some people are like afraid of that unknown but like the unknown is when you're going to grow. Yeah. And, uh, what was it? TSP, uh, 44, 45, 47, something like that with, uh, my friend Charlotte who public speaks around the world. Uh, she, she had a, a pretty nice, uh, little segment on comfort zones where it's like, whether it's, you know, as small as talking to that, you know, cute person in the bar or whatever, versus like booking a trip or whatever it may be where it's like, the coolest stories, you know, and the biggest life lessons are the ones that come from kind of getting out of that comfort zone. And I know that, that that's cliche, but you know, like cliches are cliche because they're true. So, um, I almost like, I thought about leaving TCU just cause I was like, research is so boring. You know, I remember calling mm -hmm. my parents and emailing my mentor um, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't just sit and read research and like all this data is boring. Like now I want to do sports science, which is like the data performance. So it's, it's definitely <laughs> super funny and it makes for a pretty good story. So um, last story that, that you have prepared for us, what's the story you're most proud of? So this is, this just happened this like past probably six months. So one of our projects in class, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. So in our program, it's 90% online, I'd say. So once a semester, we all come to Indiana State and we do like a four-day like kind of conference style, hands-on learning uh, environment. 
And so it's our DAT weekend, as we call it. And so one of our projects was to give a conference-style presentation on whatever topic you want. And so one of my coworkers, that's also a graduate assistant, we were at the hospital system um, near Lafayette in Crawfordsville, where I'm at. And so we were kind of picked as young professionals and our knowledge of social media to join the the uh, hospital's social media committee because they wanted to work on the sports medicine department, kind of expanding their reach and being able to contact and um, connect with more patients and other providers, etc. And so we're on this committee. So when we heard about this presentation, we're like, hey, like, we should do something on social media. Like that's right up our alley. We could then present it at the hospital. So we were like, okay, this is going to be bang for our buck. And like, we can knock two birds with one stone. And so as we were on Twitter the one day, we were trying to figure out different topics. And we noticed that there's very limited resources for young professional athletic trainers. And so within the world of athletic training, a young professional is someone who is recently certified all the way through 12 years of practice, which seems kind of like a wide variety, but it's not that long of a time as well. And so with the, we wanted to provide a resource for these young professionals. And so we found that professionalism and using social media as a tool is something that is very underused, not only within um, athletic training, but also within healthcare. And so we created this um, presentation and we called it e-professionalism in, so, in athletic training. And so then we gave our presentation. It was kind of like how to practice as a healthcare provider on social media and how to like advocate for yourself, how to advocate for your patients, how to provide your patients with education and all these kind of different aspects of um, social media and how to be a healthcare provider on social media. And so we gave this presentation at our DAT weekend and at these DAT weekends, we'll have speakers from all over athletic training come and talk to us. And so there was a, um, a woman there who runs a, I guess it's more of a continue education as well as a athletic training company. And they're kind of, they're pretty well known within the world of social media and athletic training. And so she was there for our presentation and she actually came up to us afterwards and talked to us. And she was like, I would love like, what's like your like next step for this. And honestly, we had never thought about like what like our next step was for this. And she's like, well, like take some time, like think about it. I'd love to meet with you guys like coming up and we can kind of figure out like something about like the next steps. And so we actually met with her like a few weeks, like after classes had ended. And so we're starting the process of helping create not only the continued education material and like professional development material with her, but also kind of like going on her podcast and talking about different topics related to um, social media and how healthcare providers can use um, social media to their advantage. Because I feel that personally, it's a very underused topic or uh, media source because many people are afraid of the legalities that can come with it and the um, 
legal issues that you can get sued pretty easily and stuff. And everybody wants to make money somehow. So I think that this is kind of our opportunity to provide these resources for these young professionals and also kind of change athletic training and bring it into this 21st century and allow social media to be a tool and not to be afraid of it. That is awesome. It's it's crazy how like, yeah, you just had no idea where now it could turn into something kind of so much bigger and, and you can help s- so many more people. So I, I love that story. And if, if you were interested in the future, I'd love to do a, a 2.0 episode, just like having you back on, but just on a specific topic on this sort of like e-professionalism. I've never heard of that term, but I totally agree where social me- media can be utilized for so much good. Um, so not to get too far into it, but could you give me a few kind of main bullet points, I guess, or lessons or whatever you, you call them about kind of e-professionalism or kind of like your, your final uh, thoughts from your, your presentation? So one thing is this is more of a healthcare related thing. And so it's called HIPAA and it's the health insurance portability and I'm going to accountability act. And so it's pretty much like you as a patient, if I'm your athletic trainer and I'm providing care for you to you, I cannot like post like a picture of you being like, Hey, treating Matt right now for his (laughs) ankle sprain or whatever. Like you could sue me for putting out your health information online. And so HIPAA has, there's 18 identifiers to like notice you as a person. And so it's like numerous things. So there's like your car, your, you could have a tattoo, your fingerprint, your IP address, your license. There's just all these different things. And so if there's like a picture of you icing your ankle that is technically protected health information because somebody could go and know that you're injured and say that you don't want people knowing that you're injured. So you could come back to whoever posted that picture and sue them. If, especially if they're a healthcare provider for a HIPAA breach. And that is a very, like the hospital risk management people are always terrified of it. Cause it's like a, fine is like the minimum or it's like $250,000 to $500,000 is like the minimum. So that's kind of how we want to, that's how we're, that's like one of our main topics is that, yeah, you can't post about, you can't like post a picture of that patient, but you can in certain aspects. And as long as you are not having their health information out there or something that could like trace that picture back to specifically who that patient is it's like a huge tool to like advocate for like i know there's another athletic trainer who's doing uh aquatic rehab with a patient and they post about it on social media and like i like i now look for like the things that like could get them in trouble as like almost like a police and so like just like oh wow like oh that athletic trainer uses that so it's like it's advocating for them as a provider, but also for that patient as well, I think is very unique. Yeah. And, and because I mean, same, same over here with HIPAA and all the informed consent forms and stuff like that, just kind of with the research, but, and some institutions having 
uh, no disclosure agreement or non-disclosure agreements where you like can't post anything at all about what you're doing. But if you kind of have that foundation set and kind of your ducks in a row of you knowing what you can and can't post and just like all, because the, the biggest, um, not, not drawback, but potential con would obviously be $500,000 out of your pocket. But you know, mm-hmm. if, if you can do your research and be a well-educated, uh, practitioner on social media you know just get get that foundation set and then kind of just use it to the best of your ability so i think it's just like i I don't know how to describe it but just people getting so they just want to jump into stuff where it's like if you take a step back you know you spend your week two weeks learning all the laws and the hipaa and what you can and can't do you know that's going to set you up for for kind of the the rest of your time using that social media just like taking a deload week or um, trying to make it, you know, uh, trying to make it sporty or like just taking an off week if you're not feeling right and things like that or an extra week of rehab instead of jumping right back into stuff. So, um, yeah, it can definitely be super beneficial as long as it's used in the right way. And that just comes from listening to awesome practitioners like yourself, but also just doing some research. So, um, yeah, super cool story. I'm, I'm glad that worked out for you. Um, is there anything else on those kind of three stories that, that we haven't touched on before we move on to the, to the last few questions? No, I feel like I hit all my points on those and went on a little tangent here and there, but tried to avoid it. Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, here, here at TSP, I'm all about kind of bringing it full circle kind of like we did with the stories, but also just driving action. You know, there's no point in listening to a podcast or reading a book or whatever it may be, if it's not going to help you make better decisions and actions and kind of tangible things moving forward. So what are one to three actionable things that the listener can do to become better starting tomorrow? So I think the biggest thing that we touched on is setting goals. And I think like you can set goals, but I think they have to be not only actionable goals, but, you have to be able to break down that goal. And so one thing that in our program we've learned about is they're called mini habits. And so how I started with my cardio was you, the point of the mini habit is to do something stupid small and then just add a little bit each day to that. So like when I started my cardio, I did five minutes on the elliptical. And then the next day I did six, the next day I did seven, next day I did eight and you just keep on adding. And so then it doesn't seem like, oh my gosh, I'm adding a half a mile to like my run. It's like, no, I'm adding like a one more minute of cardio each day. And you're going to get that, that half a mile by the end of the week, which was your goal. And so it's just like being able to push yourself and it's almost like a mind game. You're like, wow, like I didn't think I could do this, but like in reality, if you break it down small enough, you can do it. And like, it'll seem a lot easier than it is. Yeah. And and if it's an analogy, like, you know, brick by brick or whatever kind of clicks in people's heads where it's like, you know, all you're in charge of is today. And like, what, what do you do to maximize your goals for today, but also set you up for the future, you know? So, um, actionable and breakdownable, we'll, we'll, we'll call it that. So I I really (laughs) like that one a lot. Yeah. So I think my second point too, I think goes, along with what we talked about earlier is get to know people in the profession that you want to go into. And so p- 
people people love to talk about themselves like you and i like we're talking about ourselves right now technically we're sharing stories about ourselves but we love it and so i think if you want to know more about a, an industry or a specific area in the profession don't be afraid to reach out like if somebody shot me an email i was like hey like what do you like about athletic training and like almost sent me like a like a list of questions i would love to answer those and like fill them in on like a day in the life of an athletic trainer in like my specific setting and just giving them more information. So I think don't be afraid to reach out to people in the profession to find more about what you want to do, because you might either find out you want to do it or you might find out that you don't want to do it, but you won't know unless you reach out. Yeah. I I love how you, how you finish that up where it's like people think, Oh, well, you know, I don't know if I want to do this or maybe that, the best way to figure that out is literally finding out the pros and the cons of people like and don't like what, you know, like, <clears throat> for example, like a DAT, I would have had no idea what that was until you told me. And, you know, people can have these kind of preconceived notions about what a job is or isn't, but it's like, well, they haven't done that job before. So how are they supposed to know? Well, you ask someone who has, <laughs> who has done that job. So yeah, very, very simple stuff. Just getting to know people and what you want to do, you know, where it makes, the whole quote unquote like networking thing. Oh, well go meet professionals. It's like, no, go meet professionals in your field for what you want to do. And that makes it so much more narrow and actionable. And then that, that leads to networking then, because say you emailed some high up guy in sports performance, or if I did an athletic training and then I see him at a conference, I say, Hey, like, Hey, John, like I was the one that emailed you. I just want to put a face to a name and, and then you start a conversation and then you build that relationship. And that is how you, that's one way to network right there. Yes, sir. Very, very simple stuff. So, um, anything else before, before we say goodbye? Uh, I just want to put a little plug in for my Indiana state, doctorate in athletic training program they are the only accredited doctorate in athletic training program uh currently in the nation um if any athletic training students out there would like to talk about it please feel free to reach out to me um i'd love to fill you in more on what the doctorate of athletic training looks like um especially specifically at indiana state because while there are other doctorate there's probably i think there's six or seven doctorate in athletic training programs across the nation right now Indiana States is the only accredited one out of them and kind of each doctor in athletic training has kind of different focuses. And I really like the focus of Indiana States with their leadership and advanced clinical skills. And where can the listeners find you? They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Thomas Greffley, G-R-E-F-F-L-Y. They can also find me on Twitter at at Greffley, A-T, and also on our eProfessionalism AT account, which is at E-P-R-O-F-A-T. All right. I'll put those in the show notes for sure. So uh, I'd love to have you back on for a 2.0, talk about some eProfessionalism and stuff like that. But in the meantime, uh, do some cardio for me, and I look forward to catching up in the future. Sounds good, Matt. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And that does it for this episode of the Talking Shop Podcast. Thank you very much for giving me your time. I really do appreciate it. I hope this episode did a good job of making you stop and think and evaluate 
about the topics discussed. I'd love to hear what you thought, so please feel free to give me a comment, rating, review, like on whatever platform you're listening on. Let me know what you want to hear next. Hit me up on social media at Coach Big Toe. That's at Coach B-I-G-T-O-E on Insta and Twitter. Remember, we can all get better together.